You are listening to Life Skills 101 on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Welcome to Life Skills 101, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. Your host, Lisa Nearing, has homeschooled her five kids for the last 29 years. She has a master's degree in human brain development and a master's in marriage and family therapy. She is currently the owner of True North, offering everything from Hebrew classes to chemistry. She and her husband, Dr. David Nearing, are passionately committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools and resources necessary to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, Without further ado, your host. What has candles and usually accompanies a cake? That's right, birthdays. The Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network is celebrating 10 years. What does that mean for you? It means we have a track record of being the number one homeschool podcast network with 10 years of bringing you fabulous homeschool podcasts all in one place. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I'm the founder of Media Angels and this Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. When I started in 2013, I had no idea how big we'd grow. I asked a handful of my friends if they'd join me on the network, and many are still here with me today. We've been consistent for 10 years, and we are a hardworking bunch of homeschool parents who are also podcasters. And we really care. We care about you. We're here for you as you navigate homeschooling. And we're here for you 24-7 on every podcast platform. And we're always free. You are extremely important, and we want you to enjoy this birthday celebration. For our 10th year, we're giving away some fabulous prizes. The best way to stay current with all the information we provide is to subscribe. How do you do that? glad you asked. The ultimate homeschool podcast network.com is where you go and look for the subscribe box. You will receive up-to-date information coming to your inbox once a week and you'll never miss another freebie again. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast Vintage Homeschool Moms and the other podcasts from extraordinary hand-picked homeschool podcasters just like the one you're going to listen to right now. Thanks for making our 10th year special. Those of you who don't know Felice Gerwitz, it's really my honor to introduce you to her. She is a creative, energetic, outside-the-box thinker, and she's enthusiastic about the company she founded in 1994. She's the author and host of several podcasts and is the founder of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. She's a lifelong Catholic Christian who loves and serves the Lord Jesus Christ. Felice is a graduate of Florida Southern College. She's a former teacher with a degree in elementary education, learning disabilities, and early childhood ed. Felice has used her skills as a webinar host for a series of ongoing online sessions for the past nine years. She's hosted the Ultimate Homeschool Expo, which contains six different events with various perspectives. She also hosts the Vintage Homeschool Moms podcast, 
a few minutes with God podcast, writing and podcasting advice and podcast one more child podcast. There's no coincidences in life. So Felice believes it is divine intervention that she publishes curriculum with a biblical creation focus and many other educational products. Felice currently hosts seminars for adults and her classes for kids are on her Media Angels membership website. For a wide variety of topics, which include science as well as writing and publishing, Gaffin Felice believe that the message of biblical creation is vital and are convinced that it should be a focus for homeschool Christian families. And Felice has a large family. She's also an author of Just One More. And, um, and I mean, we were kind of fangirling over Felice. Uh, several of us at True North are part of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. And honestly, it's, it, every time I talk to you, Felice, I take notes and I go look up stuff afterwards. You just are such a wealth of just resources and information, such a creative thinker. So I'm super excited to have you here today. And I can't even remember what session this is. Yeah, it's giving kids time to think. Yeah, giving kids time to think. So are you ready to jump in? I am. And I'm going to share my screen if I have that ability here. And I'm probably going to um, not share my little smiley face. I'm probably going to minimize this here. Let's see if I can do it. I'm not sure if I can here or not. Yep, I can. Okay, so let me get started. Thank you so much, Lisa. Oh my gosh, uh, you guys always embarrass me <laughs> when you talk. Uh, they used to introduce me at conference, and I would go, uh, which is exactly what I'm going to say right now. I don't really know that person they're talking about um, because it it can't be me because I have uh, so many things that I want to do, and uh, as well as um, you know, if you want to know all my faults, come hear my family. They're they're um, the five I have children are adults now. And sometimes I get to hear what they did when they were supposed to be doing school or what they think I should have done differently in their homeschool journey. So that's always a fun topic to, <laughs> to have with my children. Uh, so today I am going to talk about something that is kind of a weird topic, giving kids time to think. One of the um, interesting things I get from parents when I say that is, oh, my gosh, my kids think too much and they think wrongly or, you know, we're just so busy or a lot of different thoughts come to mind. And I've talked about this. This is almost like a soapbox topic uh, that I've had throughout some of my podcasts. And um, I looked it up and I really couldn't find it must be buried in there in the 400 and something podcasts I've done, but I really couldn't find just a podcast dedicated to this. So this is pretty much a fresh talk and um, I hope you'll enjoy it. And as Lisa said, um, I have uh, quite the company. It started out with Media Angels in 1994. I started writing my first book and gave birth to my third child in 95 as my um, family says you didn't plan very well, um, and there's no been, there's been no planning with all of my children, and then subsequently had number four and number five while trying to launch a company. And so everything that I've done has really been um, a, a God thing, uh, and so I just have to give him all the glory and all the honor because especially when I started my business and having a baby and two high schoolers that I was trying to homeschool because the difference in age is I had a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old when I had child number three and onward. 
And so there really wasn't a lot of opportunity to travel and speak. So one of the places I spoke was locally and also at the state homeschool convention where I met Meredith Curtis, one of our other podcasters, um, and also one of the speakers today um, Well, and on this um on the sessions. And, uh, and so I really had to give it to the Lord and say, well, Lord, if you want me to get my books out there, it's going to have to be something that you're doing and nothing I can do. And then fast forward. And I had the three youngest were very involved in sports and homeschooling. And so I decided, you know what, it's so hard to travel. What if I call some of my homeschool conference friends and see if they want to do a podcast. So that's what I did with the ultimate homeschool podcast network. We actually launched that back in 2013 with 20 different podcasters and not all of them are still with me, but many of the podcasts are still on the network and you can find those at the ultimate homeschool podcast network. And yes, it's all free. And, um, these podcasters have been truly vetted, uh, Lisa and her husband are podcasters and, you know, it really has been such a blessing getting to know many of the podcasters that I didn't know in real life, but many of the podcasters I do know in real life. And so that has also been a blessing. And then uh, the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network um, happened uh, when I really wanted to focus on some ministry. And I always said to the Lord, use me, Lord. Lord, I'm here. Please use me to minister to others. Well, when you have all these little kids, (laughs) you kind of can't minister to others. And you want to, you know, walk out. When my kids used to wear Christian t-shirts, I would say, you have to behave if you're wearing that Jesus t-shirt. Can any of you relate to me? Well, um, People would come into my house to maybe, you know, the pest control guy. And, uh, you know, the next minute I know they're sharing their, their story with me that they're struggling. And my kids used to say, mom, you meet people and they tell you their whole life story. And then I would be praying with them, you know, just saying, do you mind if I pray with you? Well, I don't really know if I believe God. Well, let's, let's talk about that. And, you know, would lead them to the Lord. And so out of that came a love of ministry. And so I started the ultimate Christian podcast network, um, some years back, I can't give you the exact date and that is going strong. And I, I love, um, some of the emails I've been getting, uh, for the few minutes with God podcast in particular, people who have telling, telling me how, um, I've helped. And it really is me emailing them back and saying, no, it's really the Lord's um, using me. And so praise God for that. So be prepared friends. Cause their Lord's probably going to use you at some point. <laughs> uh, just be ready. All right. Time to think let's go. When I began my homeschool journey, I did what many other parents did. And that was duplicate school in the home. And I found that kids were not interested in learning. And my son who had some learning difficulties was taking the pond, life book and going outside and looking in our ponds and saying things like, you know, well, mom, what do frogs eat? Or can I keep this pet? And I'm like, no, no, and no, um, because I'm not really an animal person. Ask me how many dogs we have. And you're probably going to be hearing a dog or two uh, barking downstairs as I'm sharing this um, because uh, my kids love, love animals. And so does my husband. So sometimes I get overruled. But before I realized that my kids were really not happy with my, you know, homeschool curriculum, 
I started thinking back to when they were younger and I was a mom who loved the hands-on stuff. So we would explore using soap bubbles and doing all kinds of things. And, you know, oh, we're in the bathtub. Well, let's see what floats in the sinks. Uh, you know, we would do messy salt boxes or draw pictures with letters or, you know, um, look outside and say, well, can you tell me what an adjective is? Well, what's an adjective, mommy? Well, let me tell you it's something that describes, you know, and or let's count the number of blue trucks as we're driving, you know, so I don't know if any of you were like that, but I just really gravitated to doing school all the time without realizing I was. So what happened? Well, there was a thing called a scope and sequence. And when I met that scope and sequence, I was recalling my education days where, okay, your child's at this age and they have to learn this thing by this age. And even though I had this degree, I found that I was very creative and liked to think outside of the box, but I fell into the trap of, you know, I have to show that my kids are learning and I have to, you know, maybe have them do this test. And so I found that my kids were overwhelmed. I wasn't happy and I had to go back and look at my homeschooling and especially in the younger grades. Um, we did a lot of unit studies and from that their learning just blossomed. So once I realized that we had to quit getting so saturated with information and not giving them time to develop good thoughts and even having time to figure things out, because, um, you know, another thing that I found was even teaching at church for like 10 or 12 years, the kids would say to me, you know, I would ask them, you know, like, what do you think faith is? Or, you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And they would say to me things like, well, what's the right answer? And I was just thinking, oh, my word, are you asking me, you know, when I ask you, what do you think about the Lord? Or do you have a relationship with the Lord? And you're saying to me, what is the right answer? Kids look to adults and to parents for the answer. And many kids are not able to puzzle out or think for themselves. Our kids are scheduled and overscheduled, and they're not given the time to develop on a very basic level, good thinking skills and the ability to make sound decisions. And that's what this talk is all about. I'm going to ask you a question, just see where you are. Okay. This is like a little impromptu test. Are you ready? Let me ask you. When you get in the car by yourself, do you have the radio off or on? By radio, I'm including music, podcasts, YouTube, or anything that is playing in the background. All right, think about this. Even if you're not by yourself, because I know some of you have little ones, what would you do if you were alone? Well, I'm one of those people that has to make a conscious decision not to play anything in the car when I'm alone. I may pray when I start out, but I allow my mind to wander. Next time you are in the car, I want you to challenge yourself to do this and see what happens. You're going to be pleasantly surprised. Another question is what about quiet time? Remarkably, when I'm in church and praying in the quiet, and I'm also here, I'm focusing on the Lord. All of a sudden, I'll get the most amazing solution to a question I didn't even know I had, which I feel like is a little blessing from God, or I kind of, I'll think of something and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, thank you so much because I was really struggling with that and I didn't know what to do. There's something about quiet and solitude that is a bomb for the souls. 
And that is something that is difficult in our day, but so important. Many of us have um, quiet time to pray, right? You seek the scriptures and you may have that time to just pray and have a time of quiet. Well, I want you to think about that and, and think forward into your child's homeschool day. Because what does a typical day look like? Well, we have schoolwork, three to five hours, right? And then there's homework. And that usually doesn't mean a lot to homeschoolers because it usually means that three to five hours is six to 10 hours because they've lost their book or they're not finishing their work. And then we want to be creative. Let's do a project. We did a lot of science fair projects. In fact, I have a book called Information in a Nut, or not that's sorry, that's another book on writing and publishing, but I have a book called Successful Science Fair Projects that actually made it into the library system because so many parents were asking for it. And so um, we did a lot of science fairs and and that took a lot of time. And so, you know, when we had spare time, that's what we're working on. And then what about extracurricular activities? My first two children didn't do a whole lot because at that point in homeschooling, really the homeschool kids weren't allowed to do sports in the school systems or, you know, really organized sports other than homeschool sports. So the next three, well, the laws changed. And so I had some very gifted, uh, talented sports Children um, did not take after their mother who trips on a step going down. Uh, that all comes from dad who played in college. And uh, out of the three youngest, um, one is a coach, and that's actually two of them are coaches now, but two played on a collegiate level, very high level. And um, my one son is, is currently a coach. My daughter is currently a softball coach. And uh, Thank you, Lord, that a lot of those scholarships uh, went to pay for education. Um, but also there was so there's sports, there's lessons, there's activities. And then we have what I call digital devices. I have this love hate. I'm a techie, but I still have a calendar that I write into. And yes, I can do all the stuff. I can even hack code if I try really hard. But I always lose my cell phone because I'm not going to keep it. If I'm supposed to keep something with me, um, I am not going to do that. So my family teases me and says they're going to, you know, bring back an in-home phone so that I can find my cell phone. And, um, you know, there's tablets and computers and television and all of that stuff's great, but it takes our children's time away, doesn't it? So let me make a quick case, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I think so many times... We spend a lot of time on why instead of giving you some hows. And so one of the things for why do we want to have time to think? It's because we want to have the ability to make good decisions. How do you make good decisions? Well, you give your kids some scenarios and you ask them questions. I have a series of planners that I gave away for free and they're now available on the MediaAngels.com websites under character planners. And in those planners, I have different character attributes for each planner. And I did them for two years. I actually had a whole nother year I could have done, but I decided to give myself a break and not write another third year, which I probably will go back to next year. But I gave the kids a lot of scenarios. If you're in this situation, what would you do? And they were um, to go through these character, you know, thinking of the character quality. Let's say it was it was patience or let's say it was. Oh, I can't even think of one now, but 
but just think of a character quality, okay? Something maybe that your your children um, could use more of. And so I would I did a whole scenario, several pages worth of different things that you could do with your family and questions you can ask and the little ones can act it out or the parents can go through it and, you know, work with their children and you'll be surprised. Um, one of the things I asked my kids, not in the planner, but I remember asking my little ones, you know, um, cause I'd heard something that really upset me about, um, you know, like a police officer that was not a police officer that pulled someone over and it was someone in uniform in a, in a plane car that, um, turned out he was not who he said he was. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to ask my kids this question. And their little friend was over and I said, Hey guys, I said, what if a policeman drove up to the house and he said, your dad needs help down the street. Will you come with me? What would you do? Would you believe? And if you have little ones, please ask him this question. All the kids, all three of them, I think three or four of them that were sitting there like like five, six, uh, maybe a four-year-old, they were little. They all said, yes, we would go. And I said, really, why would you go? Of course, I'm freaking out inside. And they said, because dad needs help. So I said to them, do you really think that if daddy needed help, that he would send a policeman to get you instead of calling you or instead of calling mom? And they thought about it and they said, "Uh, no. And I said, that's right. If somebody comes up to the house in a car and tells you that, you know, somebody needs you, that doesn't mean that you go. And it took some talking to them. And then I started coming up with all these different scenarios to make sure that my kids had the ability to make good decisions. It's more than just critical thinking. You know, we have all those books and everything and they're all great. But it's the ability to choose right from wrong and having the time that the kids kids have time to be able to think through a situation. Another thing is understanding cause and effect. If a kid drops a glass, what's going to happen? And you can ask that. A lot of times their reaction or their ability to make decisions um, really is difficult because they lack the understanding of cause and effect. For example, We swoop in and save our kids. Now, this was something my husband came up with years ago. And he said, you know what? We're doing our kids a disservice. We keep saving them. And I'm thinking, what do you mean by that? And he said, every time they're going to make a mistake, for example, if you have a little kid and you say, you know, you you give them a plastic cup, right? Instead of giving, giving them a glass cup. Why do we do that? Because we don't want to pick up the mess of the glass breaking. But the idea here is that we're giving our children um, situations where they're not understanding a cause and effect. Do they have to break a glass to understand that if you drop a glass, it's going to break? No, of course not. But we need to, to say to a child, let's say they spill milk at dinner or something happens. Do not scream. Do not pitch a fit to say, oh, okay, well, that was an accident. Let's clean it up. And you have them help you. One of the reasons that so many kids misbehave and our, the situation in our world is so bad, you know, that we have what we call the snowflake kids, you know, that just have a meltdown at the least little bit of, of issues is that kids have not been allowed to fail, but in a good way. And that brings us to the next point, trial and error. 
if a child isn't able to take limited chances, and again, I'm not talking about diving off the rooftop or giving them a glass when they're too young to be able to, you know, grasp it well or, or any of those things, but I'm talking about letting them experience failure and success. And that's one of the reasons we did so much science because I had an old, uh, my oldest child had difficulty thinking and really figuring things out. And with science, guess what? You have a hypothesis. That's an educated guess. You know, you have a question. What are we trying to figure out? And they, he had to struggle through. And I was so pleased with the results. If you have a child that's struggling to get through, a, you know, a trial and error situation, go grab a, an experiment book at your local library and do some experiment, sit there and look through and say, okay, you know, I don't want to buy a bunch of stuff. So let's see what are some easy things we can do. And you will find that through the failure, the trial and error, you know, it really does help. And I know some of you are going to say, but our science fair, you know, experiments never work. Really? Why don't they work? Can we figure it out? You know, we also hear about helicopter parents, those who hover around their kids and make sure they're unharmed and unchallenged. My kids used to tell me, mom, if you could, you'd put us in a bubble. I said, absolutely. I'd put you in a bubble and I'd put you in bubble wrap. And I said, the reason is not because, you know, I don't trust you or I don't want you to get hurt, but I'm really concerned about what's going out there. And a lot of times they said this because they wanted to spend the night. I had this real, really hard issue with that. And it came from my parents who never wanted me to go spend the night at someone's house. And that carried over with my kids very, very rarely. Um, did I allow my children uh, to have sleepovers? You know, for me, one of the reasons was it was such a pain. Kids don't want to go to sleep. And I figured out early in life, guess what? I'm the parent. I get to make decisions now. Yes, my children might not exactly like what I want to do, but I don't have to do what they want. I have to do what I want and my husband wants and what's happy for our family. And giving your child the opportunity to try things such as baking or building will give them a sense of accomplishment, especially if you encourage them to try again if they are met with failure. The other thing is a safe environment. Another thing my wise husband would say, and I've always tried to get him on my podcast. You guys need to, to, to really pray because he's such a wealth of information. And I keep saying, let me interview you. And he's like, no way. But I can talk about what he says. But he always said to our kids, you know what? Home is safe. Here, you can come to us with anything. And our kids have come to us with some really hard things. But home should be the safest place a child can be. And in this way, we as parents should allow our children the opportunity to grow physically and mentally. And once again, it's important to encourage our kids to discover their options. They have come to us with very difficult things, you know, and why, why do you guys say this? Or why do we believe that? And we've never said, oh my gosh, I need to pray for you because I can't believe you're lacking faith. Every single Christian has to admit to themselves at some point in time that they have wondered. And because nobody allows you to express that without having a meltdown, a lot of times kids lose their faith or they look at their faith as, well, so-and-so did this or that pastor did that. Well, they have to realize that their faith is more than that. 
And it's keeping your eyes on Christ and your relationship with him and not on the people around you that are human are going to fail. So it's just stuff like that, you know, that, that it needs to be a place where your kids can come to you when they're thinking about something and talk to you about it. And the last is discovery and investigation, which is a little bit different than trial and error. This allows our kids to consider the possibilities, giving them time to think about their interests. Have you ever said to your kids, you know, what are you interested in? And they're like, I don't know. You know, what are you going to do someday? I don't know. Well, if someone had given me time to think, I probably wouldn't have been an educator, although that did help me out as a homeschool parent um, in some ways, some ways it didn't, but it would have given me a chance to explore how I loved writing. And I really wish I had had more education in being able to write. And so um, that's something your kids can learn to explore. If I said to you, what do you need more of each day? That's a no brainer, right? How many of you said? time. Well, guess what? When you've got the ability as a parent, you can do something handy like time management. How can you rearrange your schedule to free up time daily? Let me ask you something. Do you have time to do the things you really want to do? And you may say, well, no, no, I don't. Really? You don't have time to eat? You don't have time to sleep? You don't have time to shower? We do the things we want to do and we make the time for it. And that's why you should look at your schedule and free up some time. Which brings me to the next question. What would you do with more time? What if you could free some time up? What if you could say like we did when we homeschooled is, um, and I guess I didn't say that I'm at the, I, I'm a grandma now and my kids are all done with school. My youngest just graduated from college actually. And keep Michael in your prayers, all of you. He um, is going into the army as a second lieutenant and he reports the end of July. So please keep him in your prayers. He's very happy about it. And his mother is uh, putting it all in God's hands and, and we're very proud of him. He um, has done really well, but the point is, you know, I am at the, I'm at the end of my homeschool journey, but when I did homeschool is we kept Fridays for our catch up day and also time for the kids to explore more things. A lot of times they would say, but wait a minute, I want to learn more about this. I'm sorry. We've got to go on to the next thing. Has that ever happened? Well, if you are encouraging them and they're excited about learning, they're going to want to learn more. So if you have time, what are you going to do? I would like you to do this assignment later because I've got to get through this talk today. But if I could give you a sheet of paper, what would you write down? If you could quickly jot down some ideas, what would they be? Notice I didn't say have more time or maybe I did, but if you had the time, (laughs) I want you to, you know, do this because it's something you can give yourself. We usually say, well, I don't have time, but like I said before, you have time to do what you want to do. When kids have too much time, they are typically bored. That's what I get from parents when I've talked about this. Our kids are so accustomed to having their day scheduled out. They don't know what to do with themselves when they have extra time. In fact, they get in trouble, right? Siblings uh, get into it with each other. I see it in my grandkids and that sort of thing. Well, we have to look at it and say, how can we direct them? Here's the thing. Your children have never had to spend the time really considering what they should do with their time. And 
maybe they've never had time to think about what they would like to do, especially if they don't know what they want to do. When teens are given too much free reign, and notice I didn't say free reign, that means we are not checking in on them and asking them what they're doing. And I'll explain more as I progress. But when teens are given time and they haven't been directed, that's kind of when they get in trouble. And so one of the things I would recommend is some things I'm going to be sharing with you. But first, I want to give you another example. We have to be our kids' cheerleaders. When we present our kids with a puzzle and we suggest a solution, it needs to be their solution. I remember giving a talk about science fairs and telling the, telling the parents it needs to be their project. It needs to be their idea. You cannot do it for them. So I remember then my kids were sitting in on this talk. Of course, it was to a homeschool group. And so we got home and my son wanted to do a project with concrete blocks. And I said, oh, but let's do something else. And, you know, I was giving him like three or four different options. And, you know, we had, we do a brainstorming session, which is how they come up with their ideas. And you can even do this with giving them ideas of what they can do when they, they want to, um, you know, have some time to do things, but, you know, do a brainstorming session and just throw up some ideas. Well, anyway, my son, my words came back to haunt me. And he said, mom, you told all the parents that the project needs to be their own. Very good, son. Yes, it does. Okay. Let's do something with concrete blocks. And so his uh, science fair project, which I can't even believe I still remember, but I have a picture of him on my bulletin board in my office um, where he is on a little step ladder and he's dropping concrete blocks because he wanted to know the question was, at what height do concrete blocks break? Well, if you know anything about construction and concrete blocks, and my husband is a builder, so there's a lot of this kind of stuff around my house, and um, it doesn't take a very, very you know, large distance, but it was really interesting. So then he decided, well, I need to do it on different surfaces. Okay. So now we're thinking, so some surfaces, they're not going to break as quickly. So he ended up progressing through just playing around with concrete blocks and came up with a viable project. You know, sometimes our kids put us in uncomfortable positions when they quote us. Um, but also we need to give them some options and encouragement, even if we're not really happy about it. Giving our kids time to explore doesn't mean you have to do it for them. Let's face it, as parents, we know it's easier to just do it ourselves rather than get our kids to do it, or in this case, giving our kids time to figure out what they should be doing. And this is what I want to show you, the, these two pictures, which is why these pictures are like, well, okay, what does organizing a shelf have to do with anything? If you look at this picture on the left and the picture on the right, we all as parents say, oh my gosh, you know, the right side is so much better. But how many times have you looked at something that was a, a mess, such as your desk, and you've been able to find something right where you put it? Not that I am going to encourage anyone to have this left-hand side of the screen, but this is what I'm talking about. If you're presented with some options, we can do one of these things. We can assign the child to clean up and then we have to deal with resistance in the form of complaining or maybe passive aggressive behavior. Number two, even if our kids do a job, it's probably not going to be as good as what we would do, right? So we have to drop our standards if we're going to let our kids do it themselves. 
Three, we can spend time training, mentoring, or helping our children, but that takes way too long, doesn't it? Then just say, oh, do it. Or once again, doing it ourselves. Or how about this fourth option? And that is to encourage them. And if they fail or it comes in somewhere in between, we can encourage and direct and be their mentor. We can train and disciple. If we can encourage our children, it will help them tremendously to realize their potential, whether they are actually doing something or just taking time to consider their options. In the same way, encouraging them to spend some time thinking about different things of interest to them may not be something we would be interested in, but we should still encourage them. And of course, as I'm discussing all of these things, it needs to be within your belief system, right? It needs to be something that you're comfortable with. But one of the things I want to tell you about encouragement is when people would say to me, you know, how, how did you do all this? Or how could you even start out with writing a book or starting a company? Or when my parents said to me, uh, they had an Italian restaurant, can you paint some paintings of Italy? We're Italian, you know, so um, for me, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, not that I'm the best artist in the world, but nothing really stopped me because of their encouragement. And it almost didn't matter what I did. My parents were just really encouraging. Which brings me to the next point. A possible outcome of time to think can be frustration. All right especially if your child is not accustomed to downtime. So it's going to take some gentle leading to begin with. You know, they're going to be saying, well, what do I do and what should I do? And that's why I want to share this. There's parent-led, and this can be an opportunity that you present to your child. Try to think of quiet time as settings that will encourage your child's mind or imagination to soar. And it can be primed, for example, stargazing. You know, you don't have to point out every single constellation and talk about, you know, light years and everything else. I mean, you can point out a few if you know them, you know, or get the handy apps that are out there, but your child and, you know, you can, you guys can just sit there and look at the vastness of God's creation. If you want to see the hand of God, look at the stars, right? And then this may lead your child to think of other things. And also it is. It is an encouragement to relationships. And then there's self-directed time where your child will just sit around and think. We sometimes see our kids space out, right? And what do we want to do? We Im immediately want to call them to task. Well, unfortunately, a lot of times they're spacing out it's when we're talking to them or they're supposed to be doing school. But I really encourage you next time you see a, you, one of your kids spacing out, just say to them, you know, well, what are you thinking about? Or... And you'd be surprised at what they have to say. One of the things, my wonderful husband, again, we were going on 43 years of marriage. So yes, I still adore the man. Um, totally opposite to me, but God knew what he was doing. And he would sit on their beds in the evening um, before they went to sleep. Well, as a typical homeschool mom, by the time they went to bed, I was thanking the Lord and trying to escape to maybe, you know, have a 10 minute soak in the tub or go get a shower or whatever that was, you know, my stash of chocolate, you know, I wanted some downtime because they finally got to bed and my kids had a, a very strict bedtime and they were all great about it. I think we wore them out so much during the day they were ready to go to bed, but my husband had so many heart to hearts with them 
because he did that. He spent some time with each of them and just listened to their hearts. If you want to know what your teenagers are thinking, go hang out with them. A lot of times parents will tell me their kids come into their room and we'll hang out and talk to them. And of course, we're like exhausted at night and that's when they want to talk. But it is something that is important. Also, this is another of my pet peeves, just like this topic is, and that is unplug. Now, when I say unplug, what does that mean to you? Do you know? Does it mean getting rid of all of our devices? Of course not. We need them. If I unplugged, I would not be giving you this presentation. I would not be using PowerPoint or a computer or any of the other wonderful things that we have. But our kids are inundated with digital devices that take their focus away from us. They are in imaginary worlds or games or connected with friends. Have you seen the couples that are out to dinner and they're on their phones? You know, I really want to, like I've said to my husband, can I just go over there and just take their phones and say, you can have these after you're done eating. He goes, yeah, you know, go for it. Of course I don't. But the best thing we can do is create parameters that fit your family and your philosophy. So in other words, we didn't allow any phones at dinner. Every once in a while, the phone would ring and my kids would say, "Uh, mom, it's dinner time because your kids are really good at calling you on what you've told them. At least mine are. But within reason, sometimes we'll say, can you look that up? And it's dinner time. And of course, they'll say something, but they get the message. There is no digital devices during our meals. It is time to be able to visit and to pray. Out of these two pictures, which do you like better? That one or that one? I feel like I'm at the eye doctor, right? Do you like A or B? Is B better than A? (laughs) You're like so confused by the time you're done. If you're struggling or hitting a brick wall, for example, a child who's not happy to hear that their digital devices are going to be confiscated, think about this. What is it that is sucking in all their time in? I remember uh, my kids were um, doing some dual enrollment college, and my son had to call me with the professor's permission because he was trying to look up something on the um, internet and he had no permission to do that. So he had to ask me for my passcode and I had to give it to him because he was in class. And then when he got home, I put a different one on it. And I said, and he was just like, really? And I said, yes, really. You know, you're, you're 16 or 17 years old and you're not going to have free access unless I have, you know, put this in where your ability to search. If you're not good at at technology, you know, we ask our kids, oh, help me with this. No parents. Go take a course. I remember going one time, my son and I were at the Apple store and we were like beside ourselves just giggling because there were grandmas and grandpas out there. And, you know, and I'm talking about people that were like late 70s and 80s and they were taking a course and it was like really funny. And the, and the, the guy's like, you know, got the little headset on and they're all about around this table and he's going, okay, who can, you know, log into your email? Oh, I see somebody here who's really good at, here are these people who are learning how to use a computer, get better at technology than your children, put safeguards in 
And that is going to help. And this is going to free up their minds as well. Time to think allows for experience. Kids who are allowed to sit in front of the television and perhaps, you know, that's what we need to do every once in a while. Well, how about if you give them a bucket with water? Little kids love that, right? They're all about the messes. I remember one time I decided to give my kids and sometimes I would tell them what to do and other times I wouldn't. Give your kids string and I'm talking about kite string you can go get for cheap. You know, get get them some string some straws and some balloons and give them scotch tape and watch what happens. Give them things that they can use to explore and to experience. Of course, you want them to be healthy and productive, right? And, and something that, you know, if they're little, of course, you can't give them a balloon to blow. Um, but you can be there with them and help them out. I'm not saying you can't do anything, but give them some time to be creative. We want to give our our children, the ability to make choices. If I had to pick one thing that is wonderful about thinking, it's that it helps your child to make the hard choices. Indecision comes from thinking there are too many things that could be right or expecting perfection. And some kids are afraid to make the wrong choice. My husband shared with me that when he was a kid, that was one of the reasons he had trouble making a decision because he he got reprimanded a lot and he was afraid it was going to be wrong. This can lead to having an underdeveloped sense of what you as a person want. Perhaps you have a child who asks, well, what do you think? And having the ability to make choices helps. Of course, you can tell them what you think. And then you can say to your child, well, what do you think? It also gives us opportunity to gently encourage our children. You know, given the choice of the orange and white dress to the left and the black uh, striped dress to the right, I probably would pick neither. But you would say to your child, you know, what do you think? Let's try it on. Some kids don't have the best fashion sense. And guess what? That's okay. I have to applaud my daughter, my second oldest, who has eight little ones. She allows her children to actually wear mismatched things out. And some of the other siblings will try to, you know, say, well, that doesn't match. Well, I like this orange shirt and these are the only, you know, blue, blue shorts I could find. And they were fine with that. I was never that mom. I wish I could have been that mom more, but their kids have the ability to make a decision and they're, they're fine with it. And I think that helps your child's self-esteem and what they think about themselves. All choices are not created equal. Of course, if you're going to church, you're probably going to want to select things that match, which is one thing in big families. There's a lot of white shirts going on and a lot of navy or solid colors. So it's easy for the kids to match their clothes. Selecting a color of a drinking cup is not the same as choosing to eat junk food over healthy options. One of the things I did not do was say to my little kids, do you want a blue cup or a red cup? Because that, while it's a good thing, right, they can make a decision and a choice, but what happens when the red cup is in, in the wash and they are insisting that they have to have the red cup. So that was one thing I learned early on. You know what? We're not going to do that anymore. And having your child fail or telling them no is okay. And making a wrong choice is sometimes helpful and sometimes it's not. A child can have a poor selection the next time. So I have to tell you the portobello mushroom story. My son 
and my daughter and my husband, the, the two oldest and my husband went to a conference in Sarasota, which is about, you know, hour and a half away. And I had just had my third child and it was a teen conference um, that was excellent. And the speakers um, were wonderful and it was a parent event. So my husband went with them and I was like, so sad I couldn't go because I had really wanted to go. So my husband took the kids out to lunch in between when they had a break. And my, my child, my son wanted a burger and he liked mushrooms. And so he said, oh, this has portobello on it. And my husband said, son, that's a portobello mushroom sandwich. Oh, no, it's not. Nobody would eat a mushroom sandwich. You know, there, there's a burger with it. And my husband said, well, ask the server. And of course he didn't want to, and he was headstrong. And so he did not. And my husband allowed him to order the portobello mushroom sandwich. Now this child likes to eat. Can you imagine when that portobello mushroom sandwich came out and there was no burger on it? Because number one, he insisted. Number two, he did not ask the server. And my husband was letting him suffer the consequences. If I had been there, I don't know that I would have, but my husband did. Guess what? Next time we talked to him about something or gave our opinion, he was more apt to say something. And to this day, we can say portobello mushroom. And he's just like, doesn't, you know, he's a little bit irritated when he gets teased about that. But don't you think that the last three youngest kids have heard that story? Of course, because yes, it's important to make a decision. Yes, it's important to sometimes suffer from that decision, but it's also important to get counsel from your parents. Same thing with a child who eats too many sweets at a birthday party and is sick the next day. That just happened to one of my grandkids who wasn't able to come to the beach when we had a birthday celebration where we were having pizza out. We had a weekend away for my birthday and she wasn't able to come because she had eaten too many sweets. So, you know, you don't always want to allow your, your children to do that. And that was not by choice. Of course, my daughter just didn't notice, but now she said to me, I'm not going to eat that many sweets again, grandma. I miss coming to have pizza out at the beach with you. And I said, you know, yes, I know. I'm really sorry. So she learned time to be alone is important. There is something about having that time to just be alone with your thoughts. And, you know, you've seen little kids who look outside when it's raining. What are they thinking? And, it, you know, it's wonderful. And there's time to be with friends. Time to think includes alone time and time to be with your friends. And it allows our children the ability to socialize, but it's still okay to be alone Remember the question I asked you earlier about the car? This is just one example of how we fill our time. And sometimes it's okay not to do that. And I'm going to show you that this is when I gave my kids time to think. Now, I have to share with you, I was shocked. I gave my kids time to think, and I could have been hosting one of my online expos or working on a book deadline or something. But I go outside, and this is what I see. Now, to the left, this is a little bit of a failed experiment. You can't really see it, but do you see how it didn't go all the way down? He made it too um, too difficult uh, for him to pull it down anyway, but my husband came home and helped him with that. Apparently, my kids found some uh, wood in the yard, and we had studied um, fulcrums and catapults in our lesson, and the kids thought, well, I'm going to go do this. Of course, you know, mom allowed them to do stuff like that. So here's another one. 
Now this one actually worked. It's a really bad video of me taking it, you know, and, and uh, that's my little army boy now. And that's when he was little. And as you can see, he's got one of my creation camp t-shirts on. <laughs> we had a creation camp, like in-person camp, and we had a bunch of t-shirts made. I still have some of those hanging around and now the grandkids um, wear them. But the boys both constructed homemade catapults and some of them were successful and others not so much. And that was one of the things we allowed our kids to do was to do some exploring you need to challenge your kids and yourself. And that's what I pray that you use this talk as a challenge for you and your children. Give yourself time alone with your thoughts. Try to avoid overscheduling and allow your, your uh, child's thoughts and creativity to become unleashed. I appreciate your time. And I hope this talk has been beneficial. And I invite you to visit me at mediaangels.com. I am on social media. Um, and you can email me at Felice at MediaAngels.com. It has been a blessing to be with you today. Felice, thank you so much. I want to just follow up on something that you said. Sure. Uh, you, you mentioned um, challenge yourself and your kids. And you do. I do hear that all the time. I don't know if you do, but um, homeschool parents are like, how do you just keep homeschooling when you've homeschooled for so long? And I know your kid, you have a split between your kids. We have 16 years between our youngest yes. and oldest. Yes, and I do. My, yeah. My big, my big key is just keep challenging yourself as a homeschool teacher, right? Like, don't make it all about the kids so much. Cause if you're, if you're excited about what you're learning and teaching, you're going to convey that to your kids. Right. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest here. Can we be honest? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> there was a time and it's so funny because I really got tired of homeschooling and I got tired of the homeschooling world. And for those of us who have homeschooled a long time, you know how it can be, you know, you've got these parents who come up to you and tell you things that you don't really want to hear. Like, well, what Ivy league school is your child going to? And I would say something like, well, I've got one child who the one who did the catapult on the left, he's in construction with my husband and just bought his 20th trailer that he's going to fix up and, and, and sell for an amazing amount of money. You know, he's just that was what he wanted to do. And she pitched a fit and said, I've sat in on your talks and, you know, how can you say that? And I said, because we have to allow our children to be themselves and it took time to get there. And so I had to remove myself a little bit from the community and just go back to talking to my husband. Cause we have such a good relationship. I don't always like to hear what he has to say. <laughs> um, I'm going to share my next talk on, on, uh, podcasting as education, that he was the string on my kite. Cause I would just go off. You just, and that it's a good thing, you know, it was a good thing, but we just really had to take a break. And that's really when I did a lot more mentoring and getting people published. I worked with that. I still had my business, but I didn't focus so much. And so sometimes I'm going to say, just remove yourself a little bit from the community, get back to prayer. Lord, what is it that you want for my homeschool. And, um, you know, saw one of the comments, uh, you know, heaven is not Harvard. <laughs> you know, I've got good friends who, who've gone to Harvard. Uh, but the, the point is that, you know, it's just, um, we have to look at what we want to do and focus on that. The other thing, having the two older children, you know, like I said, um, Neil was 14 and Christina was 12 and she's now homeschooling her, her children. And she's, going to be 40 this coming year. But um, 
she told me and kind of took me to task and said, mom, you're not making it young, uh, fun with the kids. Like one of the things that they did was horseback riding. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, to drive 25 minutes or 30 minutes and sit in the hot sun and go through that again with three more kids, you know? Um, but I had to realize that there were some opportunities that presented themselves that were just homeschool specific. For example, we had an ice uh, ice rink that was, you know, we're in sunny Florida here. So that's kind of an unusual thing. Well, guess what? They had ice skating for homeschoolers at 11 in the day. Well, that's a terrible time <laughs> to go ice skating. But I realized that if I didn't use some of these opportunities and say, okay, guys, we are going to get a lot of schoolwork done because this is what we were going to do. And I was really big too on telling my children what to expect. So I always set them up, not for failure, but to say to them, okay, we're going to go into the store and this is um, what we're going to be doing. And then mm -hmm. guess what? You're not so irritated taking mm -hmm. your kids to the store, right? Because I mean, how many times are we like, you know, I'm only going to go shopping on a Saturday. You know, if you have a lot of kids, it's, it's sometimes difficult, but um, you know, and you may want to switch out with a friend and those times. But what I'm saying is, a lot of times we just don't even want to be with our kids because they're not well behaved or they're doing something we're upset with. And that's where we had to look, you know, Jeff and I looked at it and said, okay, what are we not doing? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's difficult. You know, I, I can't blame their homeschool teacher when I was their teacher, right? <laughs> oh, it's that teacher. Oh my gosh. She didn't do math with them. And believe me, my kids, I, I, I almost allowed them to talk to me, not disrespectfully, because I did call him on it, but almost too much because I had uh, my son, his going into his um, sophomore year of college, this is my youngest, he decided that, or no, it was before he went to college, he decided that he had not learned enough in algebra two. So he said to me, can we get another curriculum so I can do it this summer before college? And as one of my friends said, what kind of weird child do you have? <laughs> I actually, I, I liked chalk dust at that time. So I called him up and I said, okay, do I get an award from ordering from you the longest? And he goes, what is your name? And he looked me up in the computer. Apparently I had ordered with Christina and, and Neil, but, you know, so I did get a discount on some, you know, uh, some curriculum. The point being that, you know, my kid is going to tell me, you know, basically, sorry, mom, you didn't do a good enough job here. You know, I need something else. But I was okay with myself to say, yeah, maybe that book we used wasn't that great. Or, you know, I was kind of confused about that. I mean, now there's wonderful schools like yours, mm -hmm. you know, Lisa, where you've got teachers there with the kids that can work with them. We didn't have that. We barely mm -hmm. had internet when we started, you know? Right. And there was very few, there was so many fewer curriculums available. Like, oh yeah, it was there just, wasn't. It's blown up. Right. Um, there is a really important question in the chat. How does a parent find the balance in completing the academic work, take Fridays off and have time to all, do all the extra things, especially right. when a student does time management? Um, uh, I'm not sure, especially when a student does time, does management doesn't manage time well, I think right. is what she means. Right. Um, it sounds great, but is it really doable? So here's, here's, I'm going to give you a felicism, right? You do not have to do every single problem in the book. Mm. If I did to begin with, 
you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, we got to get through all this math problem. If they can show you that they've, they have um, realized the concept or they've got that concept, you can go on and not have to do all 50 problems. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is, what is your goal? Because child number three, the child, the tall kid with the, with the catapult really should have had more hands-on classes. And, you know, he ended up teaching himself a lot, but I made him do, you know, a lot of very structured work that was not to his benefit until I realized, you know what? He likes to fish. I'm going to do oceanography because oceanography counts for science. And guess what? He kept running out of his room and saying, mom, you need to stop this. The, the kids, the kids, the two younger siblings, they need to hear, cause he was five years older than Michael and uh, three years older than Anne. They need to hear this. And I would say, Nick, that's so great. Here's some sticky notes, mark them in your book. And when we were, we were eating lunch, I would read it to them. I didn't have to get him to do that. Now, algebra was another thing. We used about five different algebra curriculums. And then I think we finally did like Matthew C. And I was like, oh my gosh, you mean algebra is like a graph? (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) How many degrees do I have? Uh, You know, and it was like, oh, now I can see it. And then he finally got it. So Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that, you know, it is the point I'm making here, do you have to have this vast amount of time? No, you don't, but give the kids some downtime, 10 or 15 minutes a day, and just give them time to explore what they're interested in. And then also have some time to talk. We sometimes, you know, when I, I know when I started, I looked at my curriculum, oh, I know what I'm doing. You know, I've got all this background and education and, and blah, blah, blah. And my poor child was a struggling learner. And there was no way he was going to be able to do this. So then what did I do? Just got another same math book that same year. This book's not working. Let's buy this one. Same problem. And so I had to look at it and say, okay, why is it taking so long? And this is what I'm going to ask, you know, um, the moms out there, look at what's taking so long and see how you can streamline it. The other is things like history. Um, language arts. One of the things we did was I said, and I don't know where you live because it, it depends on where you live too. And some of your, you know, legalities, but for a lot of high school stuff, guess what? We read C.S. Lewis and some of the greats. And I counted that as, you know, world literature or, you know, uh, American literature for some of the authors that were, you know, had, had things set in, in the U S And I picked out those books. And again, it didn't take as long. And that's when um, I'm trying to think, Christina and I, my second child, we ended up writing a series of novels as part of her homeschool curriculum. And I will tell you, she got done. She woke up at 6.37 o'clock in the morning without my prodding to get like she didn't even I'm actually in her in her bedroom was her (laughs) my office now. She didn't even come downstairs. She got her math done because to her, that was her hardest subject and she needed to hit it early because she didn't want to think about it before she even came down to eat breakfast. And then she got her schoolwork done because her goal was to get done by one o'clock. And this is a child who graduated from college in three years, magnum sum laude. Child's number, um, the other two that went to, to college, uh, child four and child five, child four was a little bit of a struggling reader. And I really worked with her and we got her where she needed to be a lot of one-on-one 
And um, she ended up graduating Sum laude, you know, isn't that the highest one? <laughs> Is that the 4.01? <laughs> and Mike did too. You know, Mike was kind of gifted. So that was the youngest. But what I'm saying is that, that I didn't overwhelm them the things that were going to be difficult for them. But I also gave them uh, opportunities to thrive and do the things that they wanted to, to do and explore. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, thank you so much. I We have to go to the next session, but okay. you guys, Felice will be back for podcasting as education and you're not going to want to miss that one. Um, I'm excited to hear that one too. So Felice.